0: Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Bold, Director of Public Affairs. We are back in Jeff City this week after a long week in Washington, D.C., where we were able to meet with all of our Missouri legislators and uh, a lot of very influential lawmakers in the executive branch and some commentators as well who are influencing what's going on in our nation's capital. We are on spring break here in Jeff City this week. The state legislature has taken their one week off in the middle of session, so Next week, they'll come back in and finish up the, well, start the the long slog to finish up through at the end of of May and finish their session. So we're going to try to take a little bit of a breather this week and see where we stand on things that have been going on the first half of the session. And let's get started. PJ Tanksley is our Director of State Legislative Programs, and uh, we are on spring break this week here in Jeff City, and there have been a lot of things moving and a lot of things uh, to keep track of in this first uh, half of the legislative session. But PJ, we started off the year with some priority issues uh, for Farm Bureau that you really wanted to focus on uh, in in the legislative session. Where are things standing on those as we stand here at the halfway break? Yeah, it's spring
1: break. It doesn't look like it outside. I saw there was some snow in some portions of Missouri this morning, but it is spring break for the legislature this week. Um, it's an exciting time. It's kind of the unofficial halfway point. Um, I think we still have several weeks of session looking ahead of us as we go into even, I think, the third week of May this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a good time to look back. You know, looking into session, uh, transportation funding, broadband access, property rights, and of course, those agricultural issues, were going to be top line for Missouri Farm Bureau members. We have seen some movement. In all areas of those, uh, when we talk about transportation funding, we're looking for additional funding for transportation. Uh, it's a good time to talk about it. Uh, the week before spring break, the House Transportation Committee held its first committee hearing to talk about a true uh, funding mechanisms. where we heard bills from Representative Rybolt, as well as Representative Corman, that offered $0.10 gas tax increases. Uh, one of the uh, Rybolt bills was exactly in line with the Transportation Task Force, so it did the $0.10 gas, $0.12 diesel increase. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some discussion over the, the exacts of that. The Corman bill actually phases it in over five years. So that's the difference that he's offering, where it would be two cents every year for five years to get to that 10 cent increase. Um, so there's some differing ideas out there, but it was a it was a really interesting hearing where the room was full of people there to talk about the need for additional funding for transportation and influential groups from around the state of Missouri, uh, econ- economic development groups from all different regions, county commissioners, counties themselves, the Missouri Chamber of Commerce and Industry, uh, Missouri Farm Bureau, as well as other groups came there to talk about the need for additional funding and the fact that we don't only support the bills, but we would support the effort because we know that these bills would all have to go to a vote of the people. And so it would be a summertime effort where we have to talk about the need and why it's important. Mm -hmm. Now, a 10 cent and 12 cent or 10 cent flat increase sounds like a whole lot. But when you boil it down to the average consumer, it's actually five, maybe ten dollars per month per person. So it's really not that heavy of an increase. When you think about what the Department of Transportation could do with that increased funding, where we talk about addressing bridges that need to be addressed, I-70. We all know that it's overcrowded for the amount of tra- for the amount of cars that it handles on a daily basis. Uh, we know there's issues all around the state, and as I said is our rule members see that on a daily basis, where we don't have enough money to do the projects that we would like to see done, additional funding would free up some of those. Now, this isn't going to catch all. It's not going to do everything, but it will allow the Department of Transportation to move a big step forward from where they have been. So,
0: Yeah, and I always like to point out, it's been how long since the gas tax was actually increased? 1996. Okay, so yeah, it's been 22 years now since... We've actually had an increase, and obviously, inflation, uh, cost of, um, of of repairs and construction has gone up significantly in the transportation industry over that period of time. That's exactly right. The the buying power of our current
1: seventeen cents. Is is been cut in half basically from what it was. Mm-hmm. The ten cent increase actually only brings us back to even with what that buying power was prior. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not, you know, in real money terms, we're not talking about extra money as far as being able to do more, but just being able to do the same level that we were when we when we originally passed that years ago. Sure. Yeah. So um, the other, another major issue for Missouri Farm Bureau was broadband access. You know, we've been talking a lot about it. I know some of our members are probably, they know it as well as I do when we talk about the talking points when it comes to broadband, uh, but we have seen movement on broadband issues. We're excited to see that. Um, there's a House Bill uh, 1880 in the House and Senate Bill 820 in the Senate um, look to address an issue that the uh, Missouri Electric cooperatives have had. You know, recently some of the co-ops were sued by landowners for use of old easements to facilitate broadband service. And so that's been a sticky situation. Uh, the truth is, those those the amounts um, of those findings in court have been holding some uh, rural cooperatives from facilitating broadband. They have the infrastructure out there. They can do it. It's it's pretty much ready to go. But because of this potential liability, they're not willing to jump into that. Um, so Missouri Farm Bureau has been working closely with the Rural Electric Cooperatives on language that we think fits our member adopted policy, which says we believe the co-op should be able to use their existing infrastructure without additional payment as long as you know they are compensating for any damage to the property or change of use in the property. Because the truth is, we know that broadband's a major issue. We want to see it get done, and if this is one of those things we can get out of the way of, uh, we need to make sure we do that. So I think this is a good fix. It still allows the court process; it just limits those damages back to
0: the the uh, the actual value of the damages done. Yeah. Not looking for a windfall, but actually compensate people if there is a, an actual physical damage to their property, but not uh, just giving a windfall when there's just one additional wire strung on a line or something. That's exactly right. It's not
1: even an additional wire. It's the same wire that was always there. Mm-hmm. It's just made up differently. And so that that the what you see on your property is not any different. Um, and w- yet we saw a court say um, they char- they went against Show Me Properties for uh, $130 million. So yeah. that's a large potential liability that's uh, blocking some of our, our co-ops from getting into this business. So if that's one thing we can do to get out of the way, uh, we're working with them and think that that's
0: a, a good effort. Yeah. And then that really ties in pretty well with our third point, which is, uh, the, the issue of protecting property rights. Um, where have, where have we seen any movement on that?
1: Yeah. On the property rights front, there, there hasn't been a lot of, uh, of legislative movement yet, but I do think we'll see some in the second half of session, you know, towards the, uh, towards the bill filing deadline, uh, we saw Representative T.J. Berry uh, file House Bill 2634 and Representative Miller file House Concur Resolution 99. And the two of these create a Missouri Wind Energy Task Force or a Wind Energy Commission to look at issues surrounding the wind energy. You know, you all went up and did a wind farm tour up in northwest Missouri. Mm -hmm. Uh, Missouri Farm Bureau members have been talking about wind energy. You know, in some some areas of the state, these wind farms have come in. It's been great for community, it's been good for the county, and there haven't been a lot of issues. In other areas of the state, there have been issues surrounding those. Um, so these two bills form a task force, which is right in line with the Missouri adopted policy from our last annual meeting, and um, aim to address that. So go around the state. Let's talk about some of the issues. Let's talk about easement language. Let's talk about placing and siding or, or uh, density of these windmills, because we have seen some real issues. And the problem is, or the sad part is, it's really divided communities. Um, we know one of the projects, some of the areas are really divisive over those that have the windmills and really appreciate them and those that don't and feel like they've seen the negative effects of those. So I think the state moving forward, we will see more of these wind farms. So it's important that the state leaders take a leadership role and say, maybe draw some guidelines. Not that we need a lot of laws passed, but say, here's some guidelines of what counties should be ready for, what communities should look out for when these proposed projects are coming to your area. There's a lot of good that comes from them. There's a lot of money that comes into the community, but there are some potential impacts that that aren't so good. So we need Uh, to look
0: at both sides of it. Yeah, that sounds like a, a wise approach to the whole situation.
1: Yeah, so. I think it's a good idea. In um, yeah. no way anti-wind energy. There's some great things that are being done out there. It's good for the environment. It's good for the people. It's good for the community. But we need to make sure the state moves forward in a uniform direction. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So. Good deal. Well, I hope you uh, enjoy your time on spring break. Um, we'll, uh, I guess the legislature will be back in session next week, right?
1: Yeah, we'll be back diving into those issues we've talked about, as well as all the agricultural related issues that we're working on every week. So uh, it'll be a busy week they'll get started and everybody will be excited to get back in the capitol but it's good to have a week off right now
0: sounds good well appreciate all the work you're doing yeah thanks a lot spencer tuma is our director of national legislative programs and spencer we had a great week last week out in dc and it's uh, good to be back in in missouri in the office and getting caught up on some stuff but there's been a lot going on in your world while we were out there and now that we're back um, what is uh, what, are, what are the big things being discussed out in D.C. right now?
2: Well, it is great to be back. I'm glad to have the chance to be back in the office and, and to catch up on a few of the things that I missed out on while we were out in D.C. last week. Of course, you know, as soon as we leave Washington, a lot of big things seem to happen. <laughs> exactly, <yeah. laughs> so um, this week, you know, something that Congress is going to be doing, probably their top priority for the week, is funding our government. So mm-hmm. our government funding expires this Friday, March 23rd, and so Congress must either agree to to an omnibus spending bill, which is, I think, the way that they will go ultimately or pass another short-term spending resolution. So um, they had planned to actually vote on an omnibus spending package last week, but there were some uh, issues with the bill text and some things that the two sides uh, didn't ever seem to work out by the Mm -hmm. end of the week. uh, So that got pushed to this week.
0: Yeah, and that that seems to be... um some of the things that were uh, trying to be added at the last minute have just been shoved off to the side like the president uh, allegedly was trying to add some sort of a fix to the dreamers situation Mm -hmm. with immigration and uh, Congress basically, it sounds like kind of told him, no, we just need to get this done. Um, So it sounds fairly optimistic that we'll actually uh, see something done and not see a shutdown, right?
2: I think so. Now there are several agriculture provisions, or at least provisions that agriculture should be paying attention to in the upcoming omnibus. Um, I haven't seen the full bill text yet, but I have heard that there will be a fix to the Section 199A uh, program that was passed in the tax bill. Um, They um, would like to pass that in the omnibus as a technical fix to the bill. Um, however, the Democratic side would like to reopen the tax code, and they're kind of using the Section 198, 199A excuse me, program uh, as a bargaining chip to get some of their priorities into the omnibus bill. So that's a big one we're watching. Uh, in addition, I have been told that there is an effort to include the Marketplace Fairness Act into sure. the omnibus bill, uh, which would allow states who are not currently collecting sales tax on internet sales, it would give them the ability to do so. It would not require them to do so. Uh, but that's something, um, giving them the option is something that's supported by our policy. So we're watching both of those things very closely.
0: Yeah. And that Marketplace Fairness Act is something that a lot of the Missouri delegation has been pretty supportive of yes. as well. Um, and that is basically the the reason is to try to put um, local stores on par with internet stores. So, a lot of the complaint that people have had is like you'll see people go walk into the local mom and pop um, appliance store, test mm-hmm. out all the refrigerators. Write down the number, the model number, and then go buy it on Amazon. Right. Yes. And uh, not pay sales tax. And this would allow um, them to be on par by paying that big that sales tax, especially on big ticket items such as that.
2: So. Right. And the reason that was originally even became an issue is several years ago, when e-commerce was really just getting started, there was a court ruling, uh, I believe at the United States Supreme Court, that said that uh, businesses do not have to collect sales tax on internet sales unless there's a physical nexus present within the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward several years down the road. And I think we would all agree that e-commerce has grown significantly and and they're really on the same level as mom and pop businesses. You know, we don't need to give them that extra boost to get started anymore. Uh, So this is something that we feel like is a really common sense fix and we would like to see it included in the omnibus bill.
0: Sure. The farm bill has also been, uh, we we thought it was going to be this week. (laughs) (laughs) You were looking forward to having a really long time in DC um, for uh in march but then it seems like things have kind of gone downhill so where are we with that
2: yes so we are currently at a standstill with the 2018 farm bill uh if you have been following the news you will have heard that chairman mike conaway had planned to hopefully mark up the farm bill in the house agriculture committee this week Uh, unfortunately in the past couple of weeks there have been some hiccups if you will um chairman conaway allegedly shared the nutrition title uh, changes that he was going to make to the Supplemental nutri- Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, the SNAP program. Uh, and basically what those proposed changes would have been was to make changes to the Able-Bodied Working Adults Without Dependents program. Mm-hmm. Um, so it what he proposed would have... M- Required those who were receiving SNAP benefits through that program to either work 20 hours a week, do job seeking or job training for those 20 hours. That's currently not a requirement uh, and also wanted to raise the age on that program. Uh, House Ag Committee Democrats said absolutely not. We are not going to support this. And if you want us to uh, move forward on the farm bill, we're going to have to see the full text before we move any farther. Uh, we still have not seen any bill text. So mm-hmm. uh, Congress will be leaving after they fund the government, hopefully this Friday. Uh, they will leave for a two-week recess for the Easter holiday, and they won't be back until mid-April. So that's pushed our timeline back on the farm bill significantly. Sure.
0: And that uh, that practice that... Uh, the ranking member is now asking for of, of give the whole bill text to the whole um, Democratic side of the committee is something that has never really been done in the past. Mm-hmm. It's usually been the chairman and the ranking member kind of agree on what they're going to do and then uh, release the whole thing after that. And right. So there's this. Um, a bit of an, uh, an unusual step.
2: You're right. And I think there is still hope for a farm bill uh, yet this year. You know, um, Chairman Conaway and Ranking Member Peterson have both asserted that they want a bipartisan farm bill. They want it done on time. And I do think they're working towards that. You know, there's just been a lot in the news that's, yeah. been, that's been controversial about it. Uh, but I don't think that's actually stopped work from being done. It's just stopped uh, what the public progress, I yeah. guess, might have been um, that, we've, that we're have that we all watching at this point. Well,
0: and our... Our long-term listeners will know that that news was broken on this program
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: when we spoke with Colin Peterson at our annual meeting a few months ago. Just a couple of months ago, he um, he said that the one thing that would hold up uh, the farm bill would be introducing any changes to SNAP, yes. um, any adding a work re- re- requirements. And he went into the whole history of what had happened with that a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. or, uh, a couple of times ago in the farm bill, and then last time in the farm bill and how that almost blew up the entire thing, right? Um, and that was something he was pretty nervous about happening. So he definitely saw the writing on the wall there, and Mm -hmm. um, hopefully it won't blow the whole thing up, but it definitely is putting a little wrench in things.
2: And I think even though it's thrown a wrench in things, like I said, I think Ranking Member Peterson and Chairman Conway are committed to getting it done right and avoiding a similar situation to what we had last time where it actually failed on the House floor. Um, I think they're both on board with trying to avoid that. It's just it's taken us a little bit longer
0: And I think that the real aversion to that is not so much that Mr. Peterson doesn't think that that should happen or could happen, but he just knows the realities of the House
2: floor. Yeah, and I that agree. that would
0: probably not make it happen, uh, not pass, and he wants to see a bill that passes. Sure. So. Um, the one last thing that we were going to mention is um, that the, We've talked a lot about trade in the past couple of weeks, um, past month or two, really. And um, just the last couple of days, we saw some rumors now circulating that President Trump is going to be uh, putting even more duties or uh, additional tariffs, I should say, on China, changing it from uh, what he was proposing was $30 billion in in, uh, tariffs. Now, doubling that to $60 billion Mm -hmm. against Chinese goods. Um, Any uh, insight you have on what what that may end up looking like?
2: Well, of course, I don't have any specific insight on what this proposal may mean. Of course, at this point, it's just a proposal. He Mm -hmm. hasn't actually doubled the tariffs just yet. Uh, But it is something that we're very concerned about. We're watching very closely. Um, As we mentioned in last week's episode, you know, agriculture is really one of the number one targets when it comes to retaliatory tariffs because Mm -hmm. people know that that's something we're very good at. And they know that that gets under our skin when they start to touch agricultural products. Um, So we're certainly concerned about any potential retaliatory action. uh, And it's something I believe that our congressional delegation is really concerned about as well. Um, The members of the delegation actually uh, sent a letter to the United States trade representative asking him to just keep agriculture in mind. uh, Not really specific to the tariffs, but just in general. You know, we're renegotiating NAFTA. We're renegotiating chorus. We have this tariff situation going. Going on, uh, and now would be a really bad time for agriculture to be put in the crosshairs of any t- sort of retaliation.
0: Sure, and with China being, I think, our number three export market, oh, it's yeah. a huge amount of money that uh, for for ag goods, I should uh, should say, that would be a, a very big target that would be placed on our yes. our backs as an industry. All right, well, I appreciate you keep an eye on all these things, and look forward to seeing where things end up at the end of the week.
2: Sounds good. We'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks.
0: Leslie Holloway is our director of regulatory affairs and uh, we were out in Washington DC last week and talked a lot about regulations we spoke to Naomi Rao uh, who was on our podcast last week as well, and um, she is kind of one of the people in charge of making sure regulations are um, being done responsibly and reasonably. Um, and then several of our other speakers really brought up that uh, proactively, wanting to tell us the work they're doing on it. Uh, what are uh, what were some of the things that we talked about out there or that you you worked on while you were out there, and um, some of those other meetings that you had uh, aside from the group that were related to those federal regulations?
3: Well, yes, and it was very interesting to hear from uh, Ms. Rao. Uh, that is a position that really had not uh, been at the forefront of um, things that we're working on uh, at least until last year when uh, President Trump made the uh, issued the executive orders that were so specific to reducing regulatory restrictions. And now the uh, office that she is involved in um, really has become key to trying to ensure that we get some restrictions removed uh, Mm -hmm. in the proper way. And of course, there is a process that has to be followed, which is frustrating to those of us who would like to see that move (laughs) more quickly. But um, it was very encouraging while we were in Washington to hear her, as well as so many other elected officials and uh, administrative officials, talk about waters of the United States, for instance, which is probably at the top of the list in terms of the environmental issues that we have been trying to get stopped for a number of years, but it is clearly at the top of the list of many of the people who are in power now and who are very focused on making sure that we put that back on a track that is um, favorable uh, for those who are actually trying to comply um, with water quality regulations. And so it it was good to hear her talk as well as have the opportunity to hear EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt talk specifically about water quality regulations. And uh, when he addressed the uh, group that we were with, which included not only uh, our Missouri Farm Bureau, but also Ohio and Iowa Farm Bureau members, it was very encouraging to hear him talk about WOTUS and then have a chance uh, to ask him specific to Missouri about numeric nutrient criteria. Yeah,
0: the, the, I was on the other side of the room and I, I was thinking this must be the moment of your life to get, actually get to ask the EPA administrator to his face directly about an issue you've worked on for months and months or maybe even years.
3: Very much so. And he is certainly well aware of the situation that Missouri is in in regards to, like, numeric nutrient criteria. Um, and whether the state will be given the opportunity to actually set those water quality standards for ourselves or whether the EPA will come in and set those regulations uh, from the federal level has not yet been officially decided. But it it was definitely uh, a, a perfect opportunity to be able to make it clear that there are a lot of people in Missouri as well as in other states who are watching this particular proceeding because mm-hmm. it is, in fact, considered to be uh, pres- precedential um, in terms of other states that will be facing similar situations with water quality standards. Mm-hmm. Missouri is uh, on the front line right now in uh, a- an opportunity for the new EPA to demonstrate that this uh, federal, cooper- federal cooperatism that, that uh, the administration has been promoting, in, in fact, will translate into actual yeah. action.
0: Yeah. And actually, last week while we were out in D.C., I was reading a, um, an article that I had saved just based on the headline. Um, it said something about how the EPA needs to end its sue and settle policy, which is something that Administrator Pruitt brought up during his speech to us. Um, And as I was just walking, uh, looking, reading this article on my phone that I had saved, it was an op-ed in the Washington Examiner. Um, I realized it was actually written by Ben Hurst, (laughs) our president, Blake Hurst's son, um, who actually happens to be on the Clean Water Commission in Missouri as well. But he he actually was talking specifically about this issue and how this could be very precedential across the nation. And we want to make sure that this um, turns out the right way, because if the EPA is allowed to Uh, enter into settlement agreements with a handful of activists that end up then applying across uh, every citizen of the state, Um, that's not the way that the law is supposed to be made. Yes, Um, And that's the way that the Obama EPA definitely had been operating and maybe even some before that. Um, And this is really a a big turning point, hopefully, for the way they'll work in the future.
3: Yes. Ben Hurst's uh, opinion piece was, Very well-timed and very articulate. And uh, he is serving on the Clean Water Commission, so he's very familiar with the issue. And it is a a perfect example of the way Sue and Settle has worked, uh, at least up until now, where you've got all these organizations that have the uh, resources and they are inclined to go to court at the drop of a hat. And for so long, they knew or they knew that they had a pretty good chance of winning, uh, mm-hmm. when they would go to court with a, a friendly lawsuit, basically. Mm-hmm. So we are eager to have that uh, strategy dismantled yeah. and uh, well,
0: and they get their attorneys' fees paid for often if they that's right. in a settlement agreement. So they would just file that lawsuit, work out an agreement that basically got everything they asked for with the EPA. The EPA signs off on it, mm-hmm. which gives it the force of law. And then they pay off all the attorney's fees, too. It's a pretty sweet deal if you it, can get it.
3: It is indeed.
0: Well, hopefully that will uh, not be happening any longer. Um, we, you've also mentioned there's there was a letter that the congressional delegation from Missouri um, worked on and, and, and submitted. Uh, what, what did that one entail? Uh,
3: the letter that the congressional delegation submitted um, was urging the EPA to approve the plan that Missouri has put forward for numeric nutrient criteria rather than coming up with a federal plan for Mm -hmm. those water quality standards. And we had worked uh, very closely with the uh, staff for the congressional delegation. Um, other ag organizations as well. We, we are all united in this effort, and uh, we're very pleased that they, the members of the delegation were willing to submit that letter for the record sure. um, in support of Missouri's proposal.
0: Yeah, they seem to understand the importance of this too.
3: Exactly. Well,
0: it was good to, to have that face-to-face interaction last week, and uh, appreciate you taking so much time on uh, the numeric nutrient criteria issue while we were out there to make sure that this uh, precedent gets set the right direction.
3: Oh, it was always a good time to be in D.C. when you know that you can talk to people who are actually going to be involved in important decisions. And so yeah. it worked out really well.
0: It's good when you feel like you're actually able to make a difference. So. That's right. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. We will look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks. Thanks again for joining us this week. Hope you enjoyed listening to What's Going On we're going to be back next week and be back in Jeff City with the state legislature. Uh, Hopefully they'll be able to make some progress this year. Things are uh, starting to feel a little bit slogged down right now, but hopefully this break is going to give them the, the fresh air that they need to get some things actually moving. And I think that we will have a full funding agreement in the federal government by the time that we come back next week. Thanks again for joining us. Look forward to talking to you then.